Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Yes, we're back inside. The Ag PhD field day was yesterday and we had a blast. Wow, it was really fun seeing everyone who was there and uh, getting questions, getting updates on how crops are doing all over. Uh, talk to people from a number of different countries, certainly from all over this country. And uh, it, there was so much to, to talk about and to go over and to share, I asked Glenn Hers, our research lead, who actually is in charge of that Ag PhD field day site, not only getting everything planted, but cared for throughout the season. So I've got Glenn on with me right now. Glenn, what'd you think of field day yesterday? Oh, well, it was eventful. Yeah, it was, I mean, a lot, I mean, a blast. I mean, just, there's really no other way to put it. Um, get to see a lot of people that we have seen over the years, get to see new people, um, a lot of great farmers, a lot of great questions. You had some showy plots too, and I think there were some things that really stood out this year that that were were great to highlight. I love the root pit that we had right. uh, with FMC, seeing some of the differences with corn rootworms. You had a trial with Liberty spraying, and I get so many questions about Liberty on the show all the time, Glenn. Uh, tell us real quick about the the Liberty trial, what you noticed from that. Well, what we what we had done is we actually put on in what we called identifier crops. Um, long and short of it, it was probably, it was some forage, forage sorghum, and then uh, some turnips and radishes and that kind of thing like you'd have for a cover crop mix. And what we did is we went in there basically trying to kill the crop. Um, so we sprayed, we were trying to, you know, show the efficacy of Liberty in there. What we started with is basically, a, you know, like a farmer would do about a, about a quart of Liberty, um, we didn't add any AMS to the solution on the first plot and used 10 gallons of water. On the second pass, we used a quart of Liberty along with 20 gallons of water and zero AMS. And that made a difference. The 20 gallons it did, yeah. picked things up, but it yeah. still wasn't perfect. Right. Um, but what was interesting to me is that the third little trial that we did was a pound and a half of AMS per acre along with a 10-gallon solution and a quart of Liberty. Um, and that actually didn't show as well as the 20 gallons alone did, um, which surprised me a little bit. And then on the last plot, it was, this is what I would recommend, um, three pounds per acre of Liberty, or uh, excuse me, of AMS, 32 ounces of Liberty, 20 gallons of water. Um and that really showed up very nicely. Yeah, best control by far. And it's it really was neat to see, you know, a lot of the things you hear about on the radio show that we talk about or, or see on our TV show, uh, Glenn actually puts all those things into our fields. And we do that on our farm too. But when, when Glenn can highlight things like that and say, okay, here's, here's how uh, other people will do it or here's – uh, how people that say, oh, I don't need that, do it, and then let's just compare it and see what happens. And uh, and you're just like us, Glenn. Let's let's just put it out there. Let's see right. what happens. Right, right, and that's the, I mean, that's the thing here. When we first were going to do this trial with the, you know, with the folks at BASF, there it was like, you know, I di I didn't really know what it was going to show. I was like, man, I hope this doesn't not show what you know what the intent is. And when things work that well, you know. That's what makes it really look good. You know, the probably 
the the most labor intensive part of the whole plot tour is the first step plots and right. working with a lot of the highest yielding farmers from around the world and they they've got some pretty specific things they're doing to try to make their crops look good and I thought those those first step plots really showed yesterday as well and plus to get to work with some of these guys they're they're just such good people that we get to work with too right I mean. There's, I mean, every single one of these guys, we appreciate the fact that they want to do these things with us. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to work with them. I mean, who gets to work with the, I mean, the guys that I get to work with there. I mean, we're talking the number one corn grower, the number one soybean producer, um, the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, hard red, you know, wheat producer, you know, barley producer. Um, That's pretty cool. I mean, and, and then to see the different ways that everybody likes to go about it. I mean, some of these guys, um, you know, they do a lot of, of foliar applications. Some don't do as many. Some try and do it up front. Um, you talk like Randy Dowdy, some of the guys from the East Coast, David Hewlett, Kevin Matthews. They don't have the ability to do what we can here in South Dakota where we can put a lot of things on in a heavier soil up front. They have to be spoon feeding that crop. Um and, so and to we see can their, benefit with some of the spoon feeding, just right. not as much as those guys. Right, absolutely. You know, and then along the lines too, you know, and some of the things that we're learning with those plots is that, yeah, they, they may work in some areas, but, you know, for whatever reason, because, you know, we've got high pH in our soils here and things don't react the way they normally do in a low pH environment. How do we correct that and, and make those available? Because that micronutrient piece is as, as big as N, P, and K. I thought uh, the the root boxes that you and your co-conspirator tank put together yeah. were pretty impressive to yep. to see what's happening below ground with different types of fertilizer, different rates of fertilizer. That was really showy. Had a lot of comments about that yesterday. Yeah, I think probably the you know we kept it um, covered. You know, set the boxes up, planted the seeds, put the glass in there, or you know, and then tilted it forward to try and get the root to grow against um the glass and then covered it basically with like a um you know like a, a, a you know a thin cardboard um to try and keep that algae off of that glass that was kind of the folks that egg liquid kind of they had done something in a smaller scale there and so when we put these together we you know they helped us along the way to, to make sure that we can make this thing look good um probably the biggest thing that i was surprised with was the length of root that had formed on those tiny little corn plants and soybean plants that were planted basically July 8th. Um, they're two feet deep already. And that was something that just impressed the heck out of me. That is really neat. And I, I do think that's something at home uh, for, for if you're listening today and you say, I don't, I don't think you really get roots that deep. Dig them up. Dig them up real carefully. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. In just a couple of weeks of growth, what you get for a root system underneath. That's why it's so important to feed it and pay attention to where you're putting that plant food too. And then, of course, this year with the kinds of conditions that we all had to plant into, that's why that makes such a big difference on your yield and ultimately your success. Well, thanks, Glenn, for, for everything today. And uh, look forward to talking to all of you on Farmer Friday. We'll be right back. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. 
Vellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra Herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra Herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. It is Farmer Friday, and we're taking your calls and questions. If you have an agronomic topic you'd like to discuss, or, or if you're at a field day yesterday and want to talk about that, that's cool, too. Uh, the show's all about you today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphd media or Darren Hefty. Start out in Wisconsin today. We got Troy with us. Troy, how's it going? Well, Darren, it's uh, been a royal pain in the butt trying to get some hay made in Southwest Wisconsin the last couple of weeks here. I believe it, and uh, it's kind of been one hurdle after another, dodging rainstorms. But we're we're getting her. So you know that has been a challenge, and we think a lot about. Um, trying to get crop in this spring we were talking about that it seemed to rain every other day and trying to make hay is uh, you, you need a whole bunch of windows where it's going to stay dry for a few days in a row and we just haven't got many of those in 2019 did you get the first cutting up at all at least so i per se split my farm made it in two different windows um the very first round of first crop that I made actually turned out really, really nice. But then everything from there on has been rained on somehow or another, whether it was a little shower or drenched or rained on after it was bailed or whatever. And yeah, there's there's going to be a shortage of good quality dry hay. There's going to be all kinds of wrapped hay, but no good quality dry hay, that's for sure. 
Yeah, we've got a lot of non-farm listeners, Troy, and and we get questions all the time. And uh, hay is one topic that we hear about. And uh, the joke is always, if somebody cuts hay and lays it down, it's about to rain. We know that's going to happen. Can you talk about that just a little bit? What happens? What do you lose when when hay gets rained on? Okay, so the what you try to achieve when you first cut hay is you want to make sure the crop is in the right stage because as the hay matures, it puts on dry matter, but quality starts to go down. So it's, it's just like, um, for instance, as your grass gets taller in your yard, as soon as it heads out, that's the best quality that you'll ever have. After that, it's nothing more than a dry matter gain. Okay, It's different than corn. Uh, with corn, as the grain fills, your quality increases or your tonnage increases or both uh, versus hay. As soon as it gets mature, you're, you're over the hill and you're going the other way. So there's a fine line in there as far as getting it cut at the right time. Well, then you can chop it and ensile it in an anaerobic environment and get it to ferment and feed it that way. You can bale it wet and wrap it in plastic and you're achieving the same thing as you would chopping it and ensiling it you're putting it in an anaerobic environment to get it to ferment and otherwise you can try and get it cured and get it dry and have a dry sub 15 percent moisture product when you're done um, and it's the first crop here is generally um, probably 40 to 50% of your yield on that acre in a year's time. So first crop is huge. Then you've got three other crops after that to get up, get your next 50% of your acre. And generally, the second crop here is the worst testing stuff or the worst quality stuff because your day length is the longest and you have the most amount of heat. And alfalfa likes to grow nice and slow. So... I guess, am I leaving anything out? You know, I, I think about uh, as we as we harvest that and bale it upright and we're able to keep all the leaves, uh, we've got a lot of yeah. nutrition, and it, it just gets to be a challenge. You see a lot of times where farmers are, are flipping hay over. Uh, when that happens, are you losing something when you do that? Are you hoping you just get enough sunshine, you don't have to flip it? Well, and that's, okay, so that's something I kind of left out is, is, I always asked my dad when I was little, you know, why is the leaves so important to the hay? And he says, well, he says, the leaves on the hay is like the sugar on your cereal. It's what makes it taste good. I mean, let's face it, some of us like cornflakes, some of us like, you know, (laughs) Wheaties, but without some honey or some sugar, you know, it's pretty blah. And the hay is where, or the leaves on the hay is where the majority of our nutrition's at, um, I mean, us as agronomists and farmers, we know that chlorophyll and, and leaf material is very nutrient-rich. And so there's many ways to handle hay after it's cut, but before it's picked up, whether it's a chopper or a baler or whatever, and being able to maintain the highest amount of leaves possible is, is the ultimate goal. So whether that means handling it when it's tough and it's green and the leaves are still attached or or raking it with dew on it to make sure that it's tough and the leaves stay attached. I mean, the drier it is, the more apt you are to lose leaves. Yeah, there's so. a there's a definite art 
to uh, to being really good in the hay business and and a lot of luck yeah. too with weather as well. But uh, there, yeah. there's no question about it. There's a big difference, and for that reason, we see uh, many dairies and and uh, producers who are buying hay from others develop long term relationships with farmers that really know how the art works <laughs> and and yeah. are are good at at getting some hay. Like you said, this year it's going to be tough to find uh, that high quality dry hay, but um, there, there's some guys out there that, for whatever reason, they they just have figured this game out and know how to do a little bit of that too. So, Troy, really appreciate the explanation and and good luck to you here. Hopefully, you get some nice windows for for hay in the rest of the season. All right, thank you, sir. Let's head down to North Carolina. We get Jimmy with us right now. Jimmy, how's it going down there? Uh, it's going good. Uh, the weather's cooled off. We had an extreme heat spell last week, but. We're back down to the mid-80s, and we got a shower of rain, so things are looking a lot better. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, are you still raising tobacco? And I, w- I was just kind of curious, as we were talking with Troy, and I saw that, that you were the next guy I was going to be talking to, I thought, huh, I wonder if Jimmy could tell us about leaves and how important that is on tobacco and how, how you know what you're doing there. Uh, yeah, we're still raising tobacco. To, basically, the leaves is the marketable product. So, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to protect the leaf and to... Tobacco's kind of a funny crop. You want your leaf to develop and grow, but you don't want it to be real big and fleshy. You kind of want a medium-sized leaf, but then you want it to get as thick as possible. That's where you get your real quality is in the thickness of it. Interesting. And, and you know, the thing that I didn't realize, I guess, when I first, uh, and of course we don't, where I'm, I'm up in the north, we aren't growing tobacco up here. I didn't realize you're looking at a plant where you're just harvesting a leaf or two at a time and then watching as that plant develops. How, how do you know when it's the right time to harvest? We usually harvest uh, four to five leaves at a time. And basically it's based on color. It's somewhat like a corn plant. You know, when a corn plant starts mature, the leaves on the bottom will start turning yellow first. So we harvest from the bottom up, and when the leaves start turning yellow, uh, you can tell, you know, from a dark green to when it starts breaking. And then when the leaves get a yellow tint to them, then your sugars and starches are getting where you want them, and then you start harvesting it. You put it in a barn with air, and it takes you about eight days to cure it. And in the curing process, you're managing the heat, and you're also managing humidity, and you have to do those things in sequence, and you have to go at a certain pace, and you kind of advance your heat and your humidity as the leaf yellows, because when you put it in the barn, it's still a living organism. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And, I, you know, there's so many things with agriculture that, that sometimes people who aren't in the industry think, oh, it's pretty easy. But there's a lot of art to that. As you mentioned, uh, with, with tobacco, obviously there's a lot of different types and and uh, certainly a lot of different companies growing different products uh, to, to get things just right. Uh, as you mentioned, you can't rush it. you got to do it uh, at a certain pace or you're going to have problems. Yeah, and of course... If you go too slow, then you'll have bacteria to start building up in the barn, and then you'll have a, a rotting process. So it's a very fine line between keeping moving and getting the yellow out and going too slow and then it deteriorating in the barn. 
Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I love all the different crops that we grow across our country. It's It's been uh, really a blessing to learn more about them. Jimmy, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing a little bit about tobacco and uh, real happy you're, you're getting a little bit of rain now finally and cooling off a little. It's been, uh, been a pretty hot summer, that's for sure. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. You can join us by calling us at 844-44-AG-PHD. Using NSERV nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding agro liquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the in-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic herbicides from Atticus LLC. Tough broadleaf weeds are a hassle, but they're no match for Cavallo from Atticus. Cavallo delivers fast, contact, and residual control so your corn, soybean, and sorghum crops can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today. If you've got an agronomic topic you'd like to discuss, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, Media or Darren Hefty. Let's head out to Montana. we got Brent with us right now. Brent, how's it going there? 
Oh, not too bad. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah, we're kind of excited. Right in the middle of the growing season here, stuff is looking pretty good and uh, just hopeful for some good warm weather here the rest of the way. How about out, out in your country? Are you getting plentiful moisture? Are you getting enough heat? Yeah, we had good moisture. Oh, it kind of shut off here a couple of weeks ago, but we're getting far enough along. I don't think it's, you know, the end of the world. We probably could use a little rain, but no, things are looking real good up here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, you have a question on Distinct, I understand? Yeah, I'm out spraying some Distinct with RT3, and it's plugging my screens. I'm curious if Distinct and RT3 don't get along together, or if you've got uh, some advice. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's interesting. Now, Distinct being a dry product, that, that could cause some issues, right? Uh, what are you doing with this Distinct? Are you dumping it directly into the tank, or are you doing a pre-slurry? No, I filled the tank three-fourths full and then just dumped it up in, in top of the tank. Okay. I wonder, I wonder if you might try doing a pre-slurry. Is the water that you're putting in pretty cool? Uh, it shouldn't be. It's been sitting in my water trailer for a week anyway, so I sure okay. wouldn't think it is. So it should be it should be at least air temp or something like that. I know warmer water helps, and you probably aren't going to get any warmer than that. Uh, but I, I've had, I have had some guys say they've had better luck when they've just taken some warm water, mixed the distinct up in a five-gallon pail just to be on the safe side before they dumped it in. Uh, right. they, I've heard that it mixes a little better that way. I don't know that we've had any issues mixing with RT3, um, but... Uh, yeah, I guess you could certainly jar test before it goes in, but I, I don't think that's the issue. I think it's more just dumping it in and getting adequate mixing in the tank with the distinct. We haven't had a lot of issue, and we do a lot of status, which is just distinct plus a, a safener for corn. Um, and we've, we've been pretty fortunate that way, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's maybe just uh, mix it up with some water ahead of time before you dump it in the tank. Okay. No, yeah. that was not all to do. Okay, what are you trying to kill? What are you burning down? Uh, I'm spraying chemfella, but mainly going after kosher. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I like distinct on kosher. That's probably one of my favorite choices. Uh, are, are you still having any luck at all with straight Roundup on kosher, or are you seeing too much resistance out there? Uh, I'm not having any luck with straight Roundup yeah. anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Dang. Yep. Yeah, we got to showcase a little bit of that at our field day this week, how how Roundup is really not working on our pigweed anymore, too. So, uh, yeah, we got to find good tank mix partners. Well, good thing good thing uh, you got distinct, and, and that's available out there, too. Uh, awesome. Well, Brent, good luck to you, and, and thanks for the call. Yeah, thank you. I've got Marty on right now from Kansas. Marty, how you doing? Hey, good, Darren. How are you? Not too bad. You know, Marty, I saw that you had an email with us, and – Believe it or not, I think two days in a row it was like, okay, we got to get to that email, and we didn't. So, so here we go. Now we get the call. I know, I know you guys have been busy. I know you've been busy. So, the, my biggest part of that email was uh, cover crop because we had uh, we had to take prevent plant on our double crop soybeans because we didn't get the wheat off till darn near the first of July, and then we set in with mud, so we bit the bullet um, on about the about the 15th final plant date for us was the 30th when they start discounting the insurance of 30th of June. Um, and of course we can't plant really anything until today because of RMA restrictions on taking preventive planting. Right. Um, 
I am limited to only soybeans because I, we put I put Zidua, uh three and a half ounces of Zidua SC and uh, six ounces of Metrobuzin down with full intentions of planting it when I burned it down and then we didn't get to it. How much trouble am I going to cause? Most of this will go to corn um, by just leaving the wheat stubble out there, leaving it standing until fall until it put on fertilizer and then probably running a VT across it. How much microbial activity am I going to cost myself? Well, you know, I guess how much regrowth are you seeing after that wheat crop with all the rain you guys have had? I got a hell of a herbicide program. I ain't got nothing. Okay, okay. <laughs> not awesome. even any volunteer wheat. I hope we could have volunteer wheat come back up. Yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing anything yet. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. So we've got, and what, when was the Zidua Metrobuzin combo put on there? Um, it's probably been, we're right at the three-week mark right now. Three weeks, okay. Because once we get out to that month, and I, I know that on their label, if you look at their rotational restrictions, between three and four ounces, things start to jump up. But we've also had quite a bit of moisture, too. So uh, at least uh, we've got that going for us. And I have to have to believe that some of that volunteer wheat that would have come has taken in a bunch of that chemistry, too, that, uh, that we get some control that way. Yeah, I agree with you. Soybeans would be the safest bet. Um, and what if we don't? Because now we're now we're in the bad part of the summer when it gets hot and dry, and you know we maybe blow on our money by and not even get a rain now till Labor Day. It, am I going to cost myself that much microbial activity just leaving the wheat? I mean, we're not going to work it until late fall. Uh, I'm just concerned about you know fallow field tender and that kind of thing costing us. Yeah, yeah. No, I I am too. I I'd like to see something else out there, and I guess the way we've always looked at it is. Uh, okay, so maybe maybe some other crops are going to get dinged by this, but they don't honestly run a lot of these these things that we're putting into cover crops through all the testing that uh, corn or a soybeans or a wheat or cotton get. Uh, they they just it costs so much money to do that testing. I know when you're running lower rates of Zidua, um, there there's quite a few things on their label for rotation within a month. Uh, and then, or, or a month uh, of rotational restriction, like sunflowers, safflower, even at, at uh, three or four ounces is only a couple of months. So that's something that's got some pretty good tolerance. And I, I mean, there's just a few choices that you've got and it's mostly broadleaves, but. Uh, and, and you're saying you would want, you would try to get something in if we could. I would, if it was mine. Now, if Brian was sitting here, Brian would say, you know, uh, it sounds like a pain in the butt. I think I might just take my chances. Uh, but I I think I would if I could. You know, is there anything else you need to do out in, in some of this ground? Do you need to improve some drainage? Do you need to do some tiling? Do you need to put some soil yeah, amendments gonna, out? And we've got some of that we're going to do on some farms, definitely, that we wouldn't wouldn't plant. But um, we, we've got about 1,000 acres that's going to just sit there. Yep. Um, like, yep. and, and we may get some broadleaves come out, and I'll just kind of let them go for yeah. a little while. And, and uh, you know, and then come and burn them down later before they go to seed. But sure, um, that, that was my main question. And and I got one comment. Um, you had a guy yesterday stand up at the end of the show and make a comment about how uh, important your show is to uh, the public out there. And I'd I'd like to second that because between you and Rob Sharkey and those guys that have these radio shows on, you know, you're sure educating the public, which needs educated badly uh, for what we do and why we do it. 
Oh, thanks, Marty. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we we do take that seriously, that there's a lot of people out there that we're trying to feed and not very many people that are growing the crops. So we gotta, we definitely have a disconnect there where, where not many people are coming out to farms and, and really actively seeking the knowledge that whenever we get a chance to talk to them, we, we certainly want to pass along yep. anything we can. And even today, you know, we had uh, had... Troy on to start the show off and he was talking about how hay is made and there's a lot of guys who are raising corn and soybeans and they may not have even grown up on a farm that raised hay and don't really understand some of the challenges those guys have had this year my goodness it's been it's been a tough year for everybody well, we, we appreciate you getting the word out because you know farmers are some of the tightest lip quietest people there are and we don't like to talk about what we do but you guys do a good job of it because the public needs to know if we're going to stay in business. Well, thank you. We, we appreciate that, Marty. And, uh, man, we're sure thinking about you guys down in Kansas, too. You've had kind of a crazy year. Uh, we had a number of guys uh, up at our field day, too, just talking about some of the challenges. I was talking to a grower from southeast Kansas specifically, and he's like, well, we were wet, 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 and now, uh, boy, we could sure use the rain. And yep. it's it just seems to be uh, seems to be about how 2019's gone. Exactly. Ready for fall. So You bet. Well, thanks, Marty. <laughs> we right. really appreciate the call, and good luck. Thank you. Bye. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, it's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you on our show today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Also, you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, and really appreciate all the, all the back and forths we've had on Twitter the last few days around our field day. You can find us there at Ag PhD Media. Stay tuned. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding agro-liquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar-feeding soybeans can provide the end-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit BattleWeeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? 
there's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one-pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. Increase your productivity with Hypro's Dual React Control System. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. Welcome here. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty, uh, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. A little bit worn out after the Ag PhD Field Day yesterday. It was so much fun and uh, got to talk to so many folks from around the country. It was really great. Uh, well, thanks once again to everybody who took part in that. Really, really appreciate uh, all the support and all the interactions that we had. I uh, got our friend Tom out in Oregon on right now. Tom, how you doing? Doing good. And yourself? Well, pretty good. Pretty good here. What's uh, what's stuff looking like out in Oregon? Uh, in my particular area, depending on what crops are planted, they're anywhere between 30 to 45 days behind schedule. So things are a little delayed. Yeah, it sounds like here. Sounds like home. We're a little behind, too. I was just chatting with... Uh, with a soybean breeder and he said, man, I'm looking at the soybean plots and I know my soybeans are going to make it, but he goes, I'm really wondering about some of this corn that guys put in late, uh, how far along it's going to be. Is there any crop you're specifically concerned about at this point, or do you have enough days that, that you should be okay? Um, well, you just got to live life one day at a time. Uh, I, I don't like the fact that some of the corn got planted 60 days behind schedule. So if you think that you're going to harvest 60 days behind your normal schedule, that gets pretty nerve-wracking. That's pretty wishful but, thinking. Yeah, did guys shorten up maturities, or did they try to plant their normal full-season stuff? I think uh, I think they shortened up a little bit. I don't know if they shortened anything up dramatically. I mean, some of the corn got you know got planted 30 days behind schedule, but then you know some of it got planted 60 days behind schedule. So. Yep. So what's happening in your corn right now? Uh, I got corn anywhere from V6 to V12. And uh, I wanted to ask you about zeal mitocide, if, you, if you've okay. had the chance to work with that product or what your thoughts were. It's, it's one that, that uh, we've done in some plots here. We haven't. We still have good luck killing mites, and we've mainly got spider mites. Uh, we, we have still done okay with uh, lores ban or by fenthrin or capture post-emerge. In our area, it still works. In many areas of the country, like yours, it doesn't, and you've got to use a miticide. And and zeal has been really nice because it, it just works on really all all stages of those mites in their life cycle and, and keeps them out long-term. So, yeah, it's been I know it's been a real go-to product if, if you've got mites. Well, I, I was just thinking about herbicide resistance, and I was wondering about miticides if we need to be 
probably need to be changing modes of action every chance we get probably that that's always a good strategy i i agree with you because we've already seen like say resistance to to lures ban and to capture which aren't specifically miticides but they do still work for us in this geography but yeah our days are probably numbered here where we're going to have to switch products as well gotcha I, I was going to ask you another question about tillering and corn. What's your thoughts, positive or negative? Or Love it. Love it. I want to have great big tillers, and I want to have them fast on my corn. It's just more surface area that I can catch sunlight. I can fill in my rows quicker and shade things out so I catch all the sunlight and keep weeds away. And then it's the easiest spot for my corn plant. From my experience, it's, my, it's the easiest spot to push nutrients in. You know, we're dryland farming and we don't have light soils and irrigation to push nutrients in quick when, when my corn is in high demand. But it can cannibalize those tillers really fast and pull nutrients in so that i like it i really do if i see tillering on a hybrid uh, that's a positive for me i realize some guys don't like it they like that nice clean look of a single stock but uh, i i think it's been a positive are are you seeing an influence with any type of fertility that's encouraging the tillering or do you think it's just hybrid specific? No, it's, 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 well, it's both. It is both. Uh, some hybrids will tiller naturally more than others, but you're, you're right on. Uh, the fertility is going to make a big difference. So where we're doing the uh, two by two on each side of the row, where we're really pushing hard with that planting time fertility app, we're seeing more tillery in those fields. Okay. Well, that that's what I'm seeing in my field the last two years and, and compared last year to this year, there's a lot of tillering. So, and like two years before, I to ever see a tiller out in one of my fields, it was pretty rare. <laughs> hey, you're making progress. That's awesome. That's awesome. What yeah. are your tissue tests showing right now? What are you are you seeing any trends that you're saying? Oh, I was struggling with this. Now I got that kind of taken care of, and now the next thing's popping up. Well, I'm not particularly happy with myself this year. I haven't done tissue analysis because everything got so congested and got so backed up that trying to finish all the work that was supposed to have been done last year and just just trying to keep up with all the basics. So I'm hoping next year I got to get back on track and get back to tissue analysis. Yeah, 2019 but, has been a strange year. But taking a, taking a lot of photos and a lot of mental notes, but haven't been able to do any tissue sampling yet. Yeah, that's, that's really one of the challenges we get too when we just get so busy uh, that, that there's so many things that we want to do at the same time. And uh, I, I know it's... Uh, it's 2019. Gosh, we spent two months trying to plant and that's, that's really not normal. Um, so yeah, I can't imagine 2020 could be tougher than that, but, but who knows? Well, that's what we said about 2017 is we just wanted it over with as fast as possible so we could get to 18. Well, now that's what we said about 19. So was that the, was that the sentiment that you were hearing at the field day or was everybody <laughs> excited to finish the season? Because I think now, I think you the know, motto the through. motto for 2019, Tom, is that's farming. I heard so many guys <laughs> say that. It's like, well, we had this go wrong, this go wrong. Well, that's farming. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's Hopefully, uh, if you can stay afloat and, and uh, farm another year, I guess we can laugh about it. I know there's certainly a lot of guys that it's gotten beyond just that's farming. It's it's uh, wiping them out this year, but we, we certainly feel for for guys in that tough a situation. Uh, how's the rest of the stuff looking on your farm? What else are you doing besides corn this year? 
Uh, barley and alfalfa. The barley got planted 30 days behind schedule, and, and my plan is this afternoon to change concaves in the combine and hopefully get the headlands opened up on, for tomorrow and get to rolling next week. Awesome. Awesome. Is it two-row barley that you're planting or anything specific? It's uh, it's just regular regular feed barley for okay. cattle. Gotcha. Gotcha. So nothing, nothing specific or nothing fancy. Sure, sure. How about alfalfa? We were talking to Troy over in uh, Wisconsin earlier in the show. It sounds like there's going to be a good market for some good quality alfalfa this year. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way it is. It seems about maybe 50% or less than 50% uh, got caught in a two-week rainstorm, so then that ended up damaging second cutting as well. But for the other 50% or 60% that got put up, boy, it was some pretty nice stuff, and, and I know the demand's pretty high on it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's a good thing about being diversified in agriculture. If one thing's not working out, hopefully something else uh, can pick up the slack a little bit. That's right. That's right. Well, Tom, good talking to you again. Good luck here the rest of this growing season. Hopefully you get a nice, warm, sunshiny fall and everything turns out great. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. uh, Let's jump into the Ag PhD mailbag. Got one from Rob here. He says, I'm wondering what you think about this. I'm seeing yellow lower leaves on my soybeans with lots of speckling on them. It sure looks like septoria brown spot, Rob. And uh, when we see septoria like that, you can spray with a fungicide. We can do a nice job. But the septoria has become resistant to the strobal urine products. So products like Headline, Quadris, and Avito. So you got to use a multiple mode of action product. Um, lots of good choices out there. I love the new Miravis Neo. I love uh, Preaxor. Fortix has been really good. So quite a few choices for you there. Uh, I, I would take a look at, at uh, a combination product to, to do the best job you can on that. And then really focus on your spray nozzles. I like the Hypro uh, 3D nozzles for getting coverage down into those lower leaves. Okay, I got a comment from Travis. He said, do you think the EPA will be cracking down on drainage tile or require a filtration? Hey, Travis, thanks for the for the question. You know what? Uh, for the most part, if we're doing drainage tile correctly, we don't really need filtration. We're not seeing contaminants in there. We're letting the soil filter those out. So no, not expecting any uh, EPA involvement in drainage tile. I get one from Porsche who asks, what advantages do you see using Boost 10 over and above cover crops? You don't have to allocate time, space, or care to the cover crops. That's true. But is there an advantage that we could get? Well, thanks for the question, Porsche. Uh, Boost 10 is one that we've been been using now for three years on our farm. It's a, a new product, expecting a, a big nationwide launch on that next year. We are seeing better uptake of nutrients, and we are seeing about a, anywhere from a 6 to 10% improvement in production. So that, that could be a good benefit if you want to get more out of your cover crop as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Ag PhD Radio after this. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? 
Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications. What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday today. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's go down to Nebraska. We've got Devin with us right now. Devin, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good. So you guys start off wet. Are you getting dry now or are you catching some rains here and there? Oh, we did get, uh, oh, probably a couple couple weeks ago here, we did. It's getting fairly dry. Had some pretty good, uh, pretty good heat, but... Uh, Let's see, it was, uh, I guess last weekend we ended up catching about two and a half inches of rain. Oh, wow. We was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good rain. Excellent. So where is your corn at right now? Is it all tasseled out or, or how are you guys coming along? Yeah, we're, uh, it's, we're full tassel. I actually got some brown silks, uh, starting to appear too. So we're, we're, uh, we're getting right along really. You know, a lot of growers earlier this season were saying, man, we're starting off so wet. It looks like it could be a gray leaf spot type of year. Uh, what are you seeing down through through where you're at in Nebraska? Are you seeing much bacterial leaf streak? Or are you seeing much gray leaf spot yet? Uh, some, yeah. Uh, probably going to have to do a, a fungicide app on some probably all of next week, beginning sometime. So uh, seeing some uh, leaf streak and 
uh, I'd say probably the main thing what I'm I'm seeing is uh, common rust. That'd oh, the, yep, the biggest one. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting this year. I, I've heard some other guys start talking about common rust too. That, uh, and and there's a big difference in hybrid tolerance or susceptibility. So that's, I don't know. Not normally. Normally, we're looking at gray leaf spot and we're looking at Goss's wilt and these kinds of things as as uh, key drivers in seed selection. I don't know how many growers ask me about common rust tolerance. So is that one you would normally be picking hybrids based on, or is it something for next year that it might might change for you too? Well, normally, uh, I just—I've never really had an had an issue with it, uh, and for whatever reason, it seems like the dryland, uh, the dryland farm quarter is is uh, it has it worse than the irrigated quarter. I don't know if that's pretty typical or not, but um, no, generally, I guess it's not really a a decision that uh, we have to worry about, I guess. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever asked about that one either. I mean, I see it on ratings and so forth, but but uh, hasn't hasn't been a driver for us picking picking a hybrid yet. How about the soybeans? How, how are your soybeans doing? I know they were behind a little bit from, from what I've heard, and I haven't gotten down through Nebraska now for probably two and a half or three weeks. Uh, I would assume the beans have really come on here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've uh, planted some old... I guess it was right at the right at the end of April, first of May, and they're pushing R three now. Uh and then, you know, the later ones um are full bloom, so you know, R one about in that not in that frame, but yeah, we're same deal there, I guess we're making up it seems like we're making up for lost time, I guess. Excellent, excellent. Uh, well, I know there have been some challenges even in the beans, the thistle caterpillars uh, this year were were <laughs> quite prevalent through nebraska and and yep. uh, you sent them up to us in south dakota and we tried to take care of whichever one survived that so yeah it's been yeah uh, no actually also do have to spray some beans here next week uh got uh japanese beetles thistle caterpillars and a few bean leaf beetles out there so between the three of them it's gonna gonna justify a spray so another thing not going to i guess so yeah, it just never ends. This 2019's been uh, been an interesting season so far, for sure. Well, Devin, uh, it's nice yep. talking to you today, and uh, good luck here the rest of this growing season. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, I uh, got a question in from Connie. Uh, she said, we've got a 10-acre pasture. I've always used 2,4-D on. However, this year there seems to be a lot of clover and some tall, thin plant with little white flowers and a yellow center, almost like a tiny daisy. The 2,4-D didn't seem to touch either of those. Uh, what would you suggest using to try to clean up the pasture? Hey, thanks for the email, Connie. Yeah, pasture weed control is is interesting, and, and you're right. A lot of times uh, just a 2,4-D or a distinct can do a pretty nice job on most of the annuals, but some of these perennial weeds, like some of the clover, and uh, I'm not exactly sure which other weed that you've got, but it uh, sounds like you've got something a little tougher to kill. We've got to, got to upgrade a little bit to some of the different chemistries that are out there. What do you like to use, Brian, just for general pasture weeds that can also take care of some of those perennials? Well, my favorite products, we're just talking about like annual type weeds, maybe even biennials, is distinct. The reason why I like that so much is it doesn't leave a ridiculous amount of residual like Tordon and Milestone do. So if I want to take that ground out of pasture a year or two years from now, I can. And the other thing is it's not ridiculously expensive. It's probably nine bucks an acre 
for the full rate, which is the equivalent to seven and a half ounces of status. It's used in corn, and most people only use two and a half or five ounces of status in corn because just those rates work so well. Anyway, um, otherwise, yeah, then I'm, I'm usually talking to guys about Tordon or Milestone if we really want to hammer the perennials. All right, thanks for the question, Connie. Uh, got a question kind of along the same lines. This is from Nicole, and she said, uh, I've got Creeping Charlie to control, and I'm wondering, where can you buy Freelex? You mentioned Freelex at one point when you were talking about Creeping Charlie on your TV show. Well, unfortunately, Corteva is pulling Freelex from, the, from most of the market out there, so most people will not be able to buy Freelex. I think it's unbelievably unfortunate, and I've talked to some of the top people in Corteva about my displeasure about removing that product from the market because my comments to them were, since Roundup came out, this is the greatest product in agriculture in terms of a herbicide. So why are you pulling it from the market? But they promised me they were going to have something for pastures soon that will probably be some kind of combination of Freelex and something else. All right. Thanks for the question, Nicole. Really appreciate that. I uh, got one from Jeff here. He said, uh, on a radio show that you guys did back in June, Brian was talking about an insecticide used for lawns that could kill grubs that moles are feeding on, so you can get rid of the moles. Uh, he said, wonder if it's possible for you to talk about uh, which which product you're discussing there and if application rate, if possible. Yeah, so we about imidacloprid. There are a lot of different versions of that and names for that, but the active ingredient imidacloprid, that's, an, that's the name brand would be gaucho that a lot of people are familiar with that gets applied on, on soybeans or seed corn. But anyway, that is tremendous. And if you use that, that is relatively safe to humans. It, it's pretty safe to animals. It's just very good on these insects like grubs, for example byproduct out there, water it in with at least an inch of rain you, within 24 hours after you apply it, if possible. That's what I would prefer. And then you will have pretty good activity for quite a long time, probably at least a month, maybe even two or three months, depending on your climate. Yeah, there's several different products out there, so the use rates kind of vary because the concentrations are a little bit different, and you'll even find it in some of the, the weed and feed type programs where uh, you, you may also have a midocloprid on those fertilizer granules. But, yeah, I, I agree with Brian. The key there is just to water it in. So you should be able to find uh, something with a midocloprid in it uh, wherever you would buy your lawn fertilizer and those types of things. Um Okay, Brian, uh, another question. This is from Joel in Kentucky. He said, love seeing your trials with the high-yield farmers that you have from all over. Uh, that's really good. Would like to see you consider putting somebody that's doing intensive cover cropping into your rotation uh, that we've seen some uh, companies across the country that are improving profitability by incorporating cover crops into that. Is that something that you would consider for a future field day? Not really, and the reason why is because our climate isn't conducive for that. By the time we get our corn and soybeans off, there's no time to, to raise any cover crops. So it doesn't really fit very well for us here unless um, you are raising wheat. Yeah, and yeah it works in the, the, it works in the small that, grain. It, yeah, but even there, it doesn't work very well because if I harvest, let's say, the 1st of August and I need to seed the, the winter wheat, um, you know, the first week of September would be my preference. I only have a month. Well, we really like to see two months of growth on a cover crop to uh, maximize the benefit out of that. So that, that becomes a problem. We just, we're not warm enough 
to justify putting cover crops out most of the time. And here's the way I look at it. If we raise a crop that's a full, full, full season crop, that is my cover crop. Yep, that's for sure. I got one one quick one from Mark in southeast Nebraska. You go about 30 seconds, Brian. He said, on soybeans, they're about to bloom. I still need to kill some weeds. Is it worth spraying or should I just let the weeds go? It is usually worth spraying. You'll If you have too many weeds, you have a yield, yield loss this year and you have the weeds go to seed and you have more weeds and more yield loss next year. Yep, and it's something I know I know 2019's kind of gotten us off our schedules here a little bit, but it's really important to get that pre-emerge herbicide out and your first spray when you come post-emerge, adding some residual in there has sure helped keep those weeds down later as well. Thanks to everybody who called in to the show today or sent questions in, and thanks to all of you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.